Coming from a large, faith-filled Ukrainian family, Danilo is the eighth out of ten children. After discerning out of seminary, he and his brothers started working as touring musicians in the high-energy folk band Scythian. He met his now wife in 2019. They were married this year and are expecting their first child in October. This is a Know His Love story. I did grow up in a in a strong Catholic family, ten children. Uh, but you know, with ten kids, sometimes kids can fall through the cracks. But I specifically, um, just my dad never got along with me. Um, I, I reminded him, uh, him of of himself when he was little, and we just he just never never could be affectionate to me or positive. Uh, really, essentially, he was a great provider, great father. I mean, he worked two jobs to make sure that we had a house and music lessons and. I'm a musician for a living, so he paid for all of that. And um, there's a lot of ways where he demonstrated all of his love, but the interpersonal connection um, of father and son was pretty much absent in my life. And it was a massive void. And uh, I grew up in a really, my mother had a beautiful faith and she was a very joyful person. And she was God's, God's gift there already to me to make up for that void in my life. And from her, I learned... Um, just the beauty of the faith and kind of a peasant faith uh, where I, where the blessed mother and Jesus felt very real to me. Um, and I had to find myself yearning to be with them or to pray to them or just loving them. But God, the father was just a cloud to me. Um, and I never prayed to him. I didn't know how to pray to him. I do remember at one point when I was 11, just, telling God the father that he was my father because I didn't have a father. Um, um, you know, after one specific uh, incident um, and adopting him as my father, but it kind of ended there. I didn't know how to go any further because I had no concrete evidence uh, of the tenderness of the father. Um, and so I think, you know, right around that point, I, I remember at a certain point realizing I was like, I wanted to be a saint. Um, and I wanted, if I couldn't have the joy that I saw my other siblings have with my dad, or I would at least, you know, help other people. And so I kind of made up for the pain that I was feeling by just trying to be super charitable to people or try to learn about the saints. And what I didn't realize was that I was slowly just beginning to rely on myself um, to fill the void of the, the love that I needed so much from the father. I started to fill, um, fill that myself. And I, I think I didn't know this, but subconsciously I was, I was trying to become an amazing person so that my dad would notice me and love me. And I would, you know, be the captain of the soccer team or, but it, it never came And the affirmation that I was sought never came. Um, and so I think I transferred that to my spiritual life and I realized I kind of, um, God, the father needed to break through this. I became a self-made man. Um, I, you know, I learned what was right. I was trying to do, live the commandments, but it was very much, um, me doing it on my own, on my own. And, uh, trying to be good so that God would love me, not because God loves me. And 
it was a long journey for me. Um, I went to seminary, I was out of college. Um, and you know, still I had, I, I would say I had a vibrant faith life. I just never, never experienced God the father. And, and I wasn't aware that I was, it was, I guess it was a heresy called Pelagianism where we earn our own salvation. And so because of my relationship with my dad, I was trying to earn my salvation my entire life because a father's love should be unconditional. Um, but because for whatever reason I didn't have that relationship with my dad, I felt I had to earn it. And that transferred into my spiritual life and which is pretty much, it basically chokes off any real experience of, of love. Uh, I'm building the idol. I'm building God in my image or, and it was um, through frequent confession, actually. I mean, I think about like, how was God reaching me and, and trying to get me back? Because I was already trying to do all the right things. It wasn't like I was a drug addict or I found myself, you know, in this terrible situation. And I had this, you know, conversion experience. But in a sense, I was the older son uh, of the, in the story of the prodigal son. I was doing everything right. Uh, and, but my heart was closed to actually experiencing God, the way he wanted me to experience him, which is his unconditional love. And I think I have like three or four different moments in my life where the priest in confession would just like say like, and the way, like one, one priest was, wasn't even talking to me. It was like, Heavenly Father, how can, how can he understand how much you love him? And I was like talking about something completely different, but I always had this doubt that the father loves me. It was kind of like, yeah, I, he brought me into existence and he had to keep me in existence. Kind of like my dad is like, you know, I fathered you and I will provide for you your food and your clothing and your house. But like, I didn't like, I never felt like I want you here and I have, I have a plan for you. Uh, and I felt that was transferred to God, the father. It was just more like, yeah, I kind of, you know, created you and I'm going to keep you in existence, but I don't, there's no special plan for you. I think, um, because it was such a early wound for me and such a long um, way of being trying to be good in order to be loved. And also just not having this awareness. I think there's a certain, like we become aware of a certain depth within our hearts, but we only have that capability once we're like in our mid twenties, you know, to realize maybe things aren't all perfect. Um, Cause we just, the joy of youth uh, is so powerful that it, it, you can sometimes not realize that there is a void in your heart. And so I was very dense. Um, and very thick skull. And so God just had to keep on hitting me over the head with like a two by four. One uh, specific inter- uh, instance that when it was probably the most intense pain of wondering if God the Father loved me and actually having a dialogue with him, uh, feeling that he turns back. Like, I felt like I started touring as a musician. I felt like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the guy that I wanted to be anymore because, you know, I was, you know, able to control my environment before I go into daily mass and all the sacraments. But when you're touring, you're around people that aren't, don't believe. And there comes a point where you're like, am I crazy? Am I the only person that believes? Cause you're in the sea of unbelief in the mainstream at least. So I just, you know, submitted without telling my band for world youth day, Sydney, Australia, um, the generic submit button. And then I get an email back and say, Hey, uh, this is sister, uh, uh, I don't even remember her name anymore, but this is sister. Um, I know Rachel, Rachel was her name before, but, uh, 
I think I used to play hacky sack with you when you were a teenager, when we lived in Austria. I became a Dominican nun here in the States and they transferred me to Australia and now I'm in charge of all the bookings. And I'm going to put you on the main stage um, for World Youth Day, Sydney. And so I'm like, that's pretty crazy. And so we fly out to Sydney and I'm still like, it's, it was kind of almost crisis mode for me. Like, do you love me? Like, do you, I mean anything to you? Like, I feel like I'm unworthy. I feel like basically that you don't love me anymore because, you know, anytime I would mess up, I would, you would, I feel that my position was in, in danger. You know, you're not good anymore and uh, you're not a good person. So I won't love you. And it was a very deep wound. It just it comes, you know, I realized it was totally tied to my relationship with my father. But I was, um, we did a show like overlooking Sydney Harbor and we had a rental vehicle and I was walking back to get it. I was, it was quite a long walk. And so I, I volunteered and I'm just like yelling to God. I'm like, like, do you love me? Like, I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel all alone. And I get into the parking garage, it's 2 a.m. I get in a rental vehicle and I'm like, do you love, I, I feel like you've abandoned me. And I back up and I hit a car. And because you're on the wrong side over there already. So it's kind of weird. And I was like, it's 2 a.m. I, this is, entire parking garage is completely empty, but the only spot was right behind me. So it was like, it was like, okay, this proves it. God has completely abandoned me. Like I am completely alone. And the depths of like, you know, just kind of confirmation of my worst fear. Uh, just when I hit that car, it was almost like sealed it. Yep. I'm not with you anymore. So I was so tempted to just drive off. But I was like, no, I just wrote a note, left it on the car. said, Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, I hit your car. Here's my email. I'm only in Australia for 10 more days. I'll pay for the damages. And then I don't hear back. Um, for like, a, you know, almost 10 days. And then the response I get was, dear Dan, first off, I'm really thankful that you left a note. No one would normally do that. Um, the car that you hit is actually a rental car. And I'm a auto body repair mechanic from South Wales. And I was uh, drove up to Sydney um, to sh the specific class for this week was to prepare a minor body damage and paint damage. So I ended up using the damage you did as the 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 demonstration for my class. So don't worry about it. <laughs> and it was like at that moment, like my heart opened up and it was like a flood. It was such a random thing. And it's almost like God had needed me to go to the depths of feeling that to kind of break, break me from, from holding on to myself uh, as the arbiter of my own goodness. And it was it was such a clear sign to me that like, not only do I love you, but I will create the, the most unique scenario to make sure you don't even have to pay for this damage. And then I was started, that's when I started to believe maybe he loved me. Um, and then we went to go play on the main stage and we had like a 2 PM slot and all of our credentials were screwed up. Uh, Cause the, the person had done such a bad job. They quit because they couldn't handle their, uh, so we were there looking at the main stage, but they wouldn't let us through security. So I was like, well, maybe God it doesn't love me again. I was starting to doubt. And then um, they, they all of a sudden said, listen, since we screwed up, we're going to have you close out the main stage at World Youth Day after Pope Benedict. So, so here I am. All 
if, as soon as you played, you had to be, leave because of security. Uh, but they let us to, to under, underneath the stage. And here I am sitting with my, my nun friend, right? You know, Rachel and my brother and I, and we're, there's no one between us and Pope Benedict. We're like 50 feet away from Pope Benedict. And he does a uh, benediction right there. And I'm just like, the turnaround of like, we thought this said, I'm sorry, you missed your set. You came across the world to play on the main stage, but you can't play. And then again, it was taken away. And then it came back. Oh, by the way, we made it so you can play the, the last band. So instead of that, we played for 300,000 people after benediction. And the whole, the whole arena was just, it was like, you know, that scene at Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings movie when the, when the, the lightning flashes and you see all the works with the flags. That's what it felt like at one point they flashed the lights and there was 300,000 people like dancing to my music. And those two moments were like God showing me like, I not only love you, but I will give you so much more than you could ever have done if you had done it yourself. And, you know, there was, you know, he's been kind of trying to woo me ever since. Um, just, you know, I, I kind of fall back into my own patterns and then he'll give me this, incredible gift and all my friends and family are like i hate you you get you get the most crazy things happening to you randomly uh and i don't know why it happens to you and a priest once told me it's because because god knows your heart needs needs to be reminded constantly because you you doubt so much that he loves you and um finally, and finally my spiritual director said it's like you know you, you i was wanted to get married i had been touring for years and he said you know what? You can't learn to be a father until you first learn to be a son. So my homework for one year was just to be a son. And just, I spent the last year just finally, it's kind of the end of a 20 year journey. Just always being like, father, be a father to me. I relinquish my control. And it was a control thing too. It was like, I relinquish my control. I will now be your child and you can give me gifts and I accept them. Um, and so, you know, there, it's such a complex journey. There's so many other ways I could mention it, but that pretty much I would say would be a, a kind of a, a nutshell. It's still something that I'm learning because um, I guess the rejection I felt was so deep from that. I don't know. I don't have an example of what it was, but in the last year I've you know met my wife and we got married and we're expecting in October and I have a very strong feeling that God, the minute my child is born, I will know. Like when I, the way I love that child, I will know. That's how I'm loved. Um, I have a devotion uh, to the infant of Prague. Uh, and I used to hate the devotion. My mom, it was my mom's favorite devotion, uh, devotion and she passed away from cancer 10 years ago from breast cancer. And we would just laugh. She had these statues with ruffles, like, and I hated it. It was too girly. Um, uh, but after my mom died, I was volunteering with the little sisters of the poor and the chief beggar for the house. Cause it's a, uh, they, they feed all the elderly just from begging. Uh, and she says, I need you to, to meet you in my office. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a new guy here. Like, why is this nun pulling me into her office? So we sit down and she's like, you need to have a dev devotion to the infant of Prague. So I'm sitting there and I just go, 
I don't like the ruffles. <laughs> and she said, here's the little booklet, read up on it. And um, it basically says the reason that Infinite Prague is dressed like a king and ha- it's, he's the king of the world, but, the, but his heart towards you is like a child. And that really helped me realize this is the way, you know, a priest told me, if you want to see the heart of the father, look at a crucifix. He's dying for you. And, but I, I, I couldn't access it that way. And I love little children. So, so I, the devotion is if you need anything materially in life, you save the little novena. And so the sister was telling me all these amazing stories. Like she needed $10,000 and someone wrote a $10,000 check right there. Well, basically people say that, like, I call them ruffles, <laughs> uh, but they say like, it's not fair. Like I get, such amazing things like the house that I have now. I was looking for a house, been saving for years, and I looked up at the street and I said, I wish that house would go for sale. And the next day, there's a for sale sign. And the guy opens the door and he just says, I, without a realtor, I just knocked and he goes, It's Danny. And I had no idea who he was, but we were apparently in the Knights of Columbus together and I didn't know him. He was like retired already. And they, I didn't have enough money. I, I could only offer 30,000 under asking, but I kept on hearing as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I was like, I knew I was supposed to buy a house. And that's why I did it. And they said, you know what? We've been praying. Uh, and I feel like God has this house reserved for a specific person. And as soon as we opened the door, we knew it was you. So not only are we going to let take, take 35,000 under asking price, but we'll throw in the double lot for free. And then there on the front door nailed was a, um, a cross and in it said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, and so that's just one of many, many instances where it's just, it's like you couldn't script it. Um, uh, but it was, it, I felt so personally loved because they had been praying. They felt it was reserved. I'd, be, I'd just finished the third day in Novena to St. Joseph uh, specifically for this reason to know God's love uh, and to find my place. You know, I, cause I know I was baptized. I know I have a vocation, but what is it? Like I'm, I'm a touring musician and I'm successful, but I want my father. Am I supposed to be a priest? I've been in seminary before. And, uh, and it's just kind of like, boom, get the house, uh, six weeks later, meet my wife. And, and it just all, but it was only as soon as I let go of control in my life and just focused on, I will be your child and I will receive any gift you want to give me. But it was almost he was waiting for me to relinquish the reins for him to be able to act in my life. And it was, it was a long journey because I didn't know what that would look like. I would say, don't believe the lies that are being sowed right now. You may feel unworthy, unwanted, that there's nothing good about you or there's nothing to offer. Um, or you've tried, you tried, you did your best and it, things keep on coming up sour for you. And it feels like God, the father is the one that's orchestrating this, that he wants to give you a snake, not a fish. He wants to give you a rock, not a, not a loaf of bread. This is a lie. Um, and when bad things happen, it's, you're tempted to think like, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen to me? 
you know, I'm trying, I'm trying my best, but, you know, I keep on getting, you know, hit over the head with a two by four. What's going on? Don't believe that it's the father. You have a great calling on your life. And the devil is the one that's doing this because he doesn't ever want you to discover the truth about you. He doesn't want you to know. First of all, he doesn't want you to, to discover that part of your heart, which will do the most damage to Satan's kingdom. So he's coming after that part of your heart. The part where you've been most attacked is your greatest part. The, the devil, he just in the parts that don't that aren't going to cause him damage, he's going to let that go. He's coming after the part of you. So maybe you were told that you don't have a good heart, that you're not a good lover, uh, uh, you don't know how to love well. Uh, maybe you were told that you're stupid or you're ugly, or those are all the parts that Satan wants to destroy in you. Because if you could just actually let go and receive the love of the father, he would do the most damage there, just being who you are. So when those bad things happen, remember that's your great part. And God, the father wants to help you discover that great part. It's not him. He's not the one giving you the the snake. He wants to give you the fish. He wants to give you the loaf of bread, but it's a great battle. Your heart is the great battleground because a heart, the glory of God is man fully alive. And the devil wants to make sure you're never fully alive. And he's going to throw everything at you to make sure you never get there. And he's going to throw dust in your eyes. So you're confusing bad things as coming from God, as opposed to coming from Satan. And you have a good heart. And if you can just relinquish control, don't hold, don't build yourself into your own image. But let go and just take your your broken heart and put it at the feet of the Father. And you know what? You're probably going to hear radio silence, but it's in the silence that the Holy Spirit works. It's in the whisper, not in the earthquake. And you know what? Sometimes I used to say this for years. I'm in my broken car. You're the mechanic. I can't do anything. I'm just going to park myself here and you do it. You do the open heart surgery. I'm going to be underneath. I'm going to be anesthetized. But I trust that you know my heart better than me. And hold on, like Jacob wrestling God in the desert. Just don't be stubborn about it. And he had, he had to break Jacob's hip because he was doing it his way. But don't ever let go, but let God do it his way. And just trust that God, the Father, has a plan for you. And now more than ever, anybody that wants to give their hearts to him, he wants to make sure that, that Satan wants to make sure that they never discover that heart. Um, so it's an all-out war. And... Um, where you feel your pain it's your greatness thank you for listening to Danilo's story I would love to share your story as well please let us know and connect with us on social media or by clicking on the join us link at knowhis.love